message last Wednesday night. Uh, how many of you here were, la- were here last Wednesday night uh, when, when it was, you know, tornado possible? That was, uh, that was an, exciting, an exciting service, uh, but uh, we, we tried to make it brief, and I, and I think we did. Um, but uh, anyway, we don't have to make it brief tonight. I can preach for hours to make up for last Wednesday night. That's the plan. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You're all getting nervous. I can see it. Uh, but uh, we, we started talking about this. Now, I didn't bring this up last week, but uh, I was thinking about this particular statement from A.W. Tozer when he said this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I'm going to say that, I'm going to read that again, okay? What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Uh, E.W. Tozer said that, and, and as we consider about, you know, what's going on in our lives and in our world and in our government and in the economy and all of it, um, more important than knowing about all of those things and having a good perspective about all that is knowing who God is, because when you really have a good grasp of who God is, then it will help us to be able to have the right perspective with the other circumstances of this life. And so with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and dive back into this uh, message. And I know those who were here last Wednesday night, when you saw the outline, you were like, oh boy, (laughs) there's no way he's going to be able to cover it. And I didn't. And uh, so you look at it again tonight and say, yeah, he's still not going to get through it. And you might be right, but uh, I'm going to certainly make an attempt without keeping us too late tonight. Uh, Just by way of uh, introduction, we started with uh, Deuteronomy chapter number six in verse number four, where it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy might. And we talked about last Wednesday, you know, this learning about God and knowing God is important, and and learning about who He is is absolutely important, but not so that we would go around, you know, flexing our our knowledge on who God is with others um, and going around with this big old head of knowledge about God the purpose of that knowledge in verse number five is that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. See, the more we know about God, the more it should propel us to love him and, and to develop and deepen that love for the Lord when we really understand who he is. It's not so that we can you know, win a debate about God. It's so that we would love him more and more. All right? And so we talked last uh, Wednesday, and I just want to zip through these very quickly, but we talked about how God has revealed himself to us. Um, Now, God did not expect us just to figure out for ourselves who he is. He has specifically revealed himself to us, and he did so in four different ways, at least four different ways. First, he revealed himself through creation. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So creation, and you just kind of have to look around a little bit with a logical brain and say, okay, this didn't just boom, it happened. I mean, 
I guess those who say they believe in the Big Bang, you know, God said it and bang, it happened. You know, uh, I understand what they mean by that. But um, this didn't just have come out of like a bunch of cosmic dust coming together and this big explosion. No, God put it in order. Um, and, I, and I talked about the watch. And for those who have watches on, um, that didn't just all of a sudden happen. I was thinking, uh, even last Saturday, I was looking at all of our church bulletins, and that had all the inserts in them. You know, we usually print about 100 bulletins, and we have inserts in there. And I'm like, that didn't just happen. That didn't just, you know, the tornado would not cause that to happen. The tornado causes things to go apart, um, and, 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 and God is a God of order, and somebody had to Somebody had to, you know, design the bulletin. Somebody had to put the content in that bulletin. Somebody had to create a printer to print those. Somebody had to um, fold them. Somebody had to insert all the, all the handouts. Somebody had to put all that together, and, and many somebodies. Okay, well, when we look at creation, it, it didn't just happen. It didn't just come to be. God made it happen. So uh, as you look through creation, it really does point to an intelligent designer, and of course, we know that. Um, I'm looking at friends who've been grounded in the faith, but still, it's just rem- good to remember the fact that he has revealed himself through creation. Um, and uh, we, we mentioned this in Hebrews 11.3. It says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Nobody here um, is old enough to look, remember what it was like before the world began, okay? Nobody is that old. And I know that uh, Ms. Dolores gave me a hard time on Monday for not having a walker after getting my senior discount at Taco Bell last week, and, uh, and you had to be here on Sunday night, and if you weren't, you missed, you missed a joke. But anyway, um, look, I, I know I'm old. Okay, but, but I'm not that old. I was born in 1976. I'm a bicentennial baby. Well, I wasn't here during creation, so I, don't, I wasn't here to see it with my own eyes. So as we look back to creation, there is an element of faith. But when we believe in creation, believing in creation is a faith in a creator, while believing in evolution is faith in chance. Would you rather place your faith in a creator or chance? Um, uh, to me, creator makes uh, a lot more sense and it's a lot more logical, okay? Uh, so we talked about how he revealed himself through creation. He also revealed himself through human conscience. And I can see I'm probably not going to get through the whole deal tonight. Uh, but I do want to just mention these because these are good. And I know not everybody was here last Wednesday, okay? He's revealed himself through the human conscience, The Bible never sets out to prove the existence of God. It simply assumes his existence. Uh, Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. um, I actually won't take the time to look look at those, but you can write them down, especially if you weren't here last Wednesday night. Romans 2, 14 and 15. Look those up uh, sometime tonight, and it talks about how um, God has revealed himself in conscience. And so when you consider like even tribes of uh, remote villages that ha- don't have a Bible, that don't have the, that don't know the Ten Commandments. They still have uh, a system and a society there that has some type of rules, right? 
They don't get to just do whatever they want to do without any type of repercussion. What put that in there? God did. God did. So uh, he's revealed himself through human conscience. And then uh, thirdly, he revealed himself through his son, uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then later in that chapter, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So uh, God has revealed himself through his son. He also revealed himself, fourthly, through the scriptures. While nature gives us general revelation of God, the Bible gives us specific revelation of God, exactly who he is and what he is like. And so uh, what does the Bible say? And that leads to the point number two here, uh, God's attributes in the Bible. What are these attributes that the word of God uh, as you get a good glimpse and, or good understanding of the Word of God, what does it say about God? Well, we mentioned first that uh, God is a person. God is a person. And uh, we know that. Uh, he, is, he is a knowable. Uh, he is knowable. He's not just a force. And I mentioned last, uh, last Wednesday was May the 4th. And, uh, you know, it was Star Wars Day, you know, and everybody kind of went crazy with that. Um, and uh, I just said, look, God is not a force. God is a person. Um, so you cannot, cannot connect and, and draw analogies from Star Wars to Christianity. That's, that's, that's really heretical uh, because God is not a force. Um, God is a person. And we, from the very first pages of the Bible, God is revealed as a person who is knowable by man. God walked with Adam. And Adam walked with God, and Noah walked with God. You can't walk with a force. You can't walk with, uh, you have, he, he is a person. And so we talked a little bit about that last Wednesday night. I'm just trying to bring us back up to speed. Uh, we also mentioned that uh, God is a, exists as a trinity. God exists as a trinity. And uh, we said that the Bible clearly teaches us and tells us that there is one true God, the verse that we started with. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so there is only one God, Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Uh, but we see that the, there is one God who exists simultaneously in three persons. Each is co-equal co-powerful, and co-eternal. We saw that the Father is God in Romans 1.7. The Son is God in Hebrews 1.8. And the Spirit is God in Acts chapter number 5. There is a, uh, let's see if it's uh, listed here, it's, it's not. Um, well, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 13.14, this is the one I was looking for. Um, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. And then Matthew 28, 19, most of us are familiar with this one. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, look at you. You're an overachiever back over there. <laughs> and so anyway, we have the uh, God is, exists as a trinity. And then we said last, uh, last Wednesday night that uh, God is also our creator. 
God exists as a creator. He is, he is the creator. Uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's how the Bible starts. That's a pretty amazing way to start. And we said this last uh, Wednesday night, too, that the beginning part of the Bible starts with God. The last part of the Bible ends with God, as revealed in Jesus Christ. God is mentioned in Genesis 1.1 and Revelation 22.21 ends with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the bookends of the Bible begin and end with God. The whole Word of God does. God is the Creator. Uh, and there are some powerful verses that we looked at here. Um, Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. I can't not uh, read these verses again. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. That's how he created it. You know, uh, Brother Boubier, I hope you don't mind, but Brother Boubier built this pulpit. And he did a great job with it. I love this pulpit. Every time we have a guest speaker, I go and show this off. <laughs> and, I, and I show him this uh, movable, uh, adjustable height pulpit. Um, but he wasn't, Brother Scott, as amazing as he is, didn't have the ability to say, let there be a pulpit. <laughs> and there was a pulpit. I bet you wish that you had that ability when you were doing this. <laughs> Because I'm sure this got to be kind of frustrating at times, and and uh, it didn't quite the angles, trying to figure out all these angles and all that. I remember uh, you, during that project, but God was able to say, "Let there be light," and He literally created light. There was no light before until He created it, and He did it with the spoken word. <sighs> Amazing. I wish I could do that. Now you say, "Well, hey." I can turn my light on and turn my light off with the spoken word. Hey, Alexa, turn off the light. <laughs> hey, Google, turn off the light. Or before those days, it was the clapper. You remember that? <laughs> so I could turn the light on, turn the light off with the clap. Now, you may have been able to do that, but we weren't able to create with the spoken word like God was able to do. Okay, so... God is the creator, and we talked a little bit more about that, but uh, let's get into some new material uh, with the, uh, the few minutes that, uh, that I have left. Uh, next, we're going to see that God is infinite. He is infinite. Psalm 145, verse 3, I love this verse, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness, I mean, the word great is found three times in here. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. You know when you go to Google and you search for something and it comes up like a couple, or not even a second later, and it says, you know, a million results in .03 seconds or whatever. Um, if you were to, if, if somehow Google was able to search God, 
which it can't. But if it were able to do that, it would, it would never be able to come to the amount of results. Because his greatness, if you were to type in greatness of God, it, it just would have, an, it, would, it would break Google. Let's do it. You want to break Google? <laughs> the greatness of God. Google that. Now, I'm kidding because I know it'll only search the internet, but if you were able to really search the greatness of God, you would never come to a, a number. It's infinite. His greatness is unsearchable. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And uh, I... You know, we can't wrap our heads around that number, infinity, because um, it has no end. It, it's, there is no, there's no boundaries to it. See, everything about God is infinite and unfathomable. Here's uh, a couple thoughts here under this. Job 9, verse 10 says, His great acts are past finding out. His wonders are without number. We already said that his greatness is unsearchable. His understanding is infinite. His judgments are unsearchable in Romans 11.33. Romans 11.33 also says that his ways are past finding out. So for those who say, I'm going to understand everything there is to know about God. No, you're not. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to be able to totally wrap our heads around who he is. Now, God does reveal himself to the point that he wants us to know him uh, in his word here, but if his ways are past finding out. His riches in Ephesians 3.8 says his riches are unsearchable. In Ephesians 3.19, his love passeth knowledge. And in Philippians 4.7, his peace passeth all. Anybody know? Understanding, Understanding right. It passeth all understanding. It's, he's infinite, okay? God's infinite. What else is God? Well, God is also, next, he is, God is spirit. John 4 and verse 24, the, Jesus said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This means that, number one, God is invisible. Remember, we in, in Colossians are, learned that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So God is invisible. Number two, we, under this, God does not have any flesh and bones. And you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus have flesh and bones? Yes, he did. But we're talking about God the Father in this particular um, situation here. God does not have any flesh and bones, and that's uh, Luke 24, 39. Luke 24, 39, I'll go ahead and turn over there. And it says, um, 24, 39, 39, there it is. Uh, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye, have, as ye see me have. So uh, a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Um, God cannot be seen. Remember John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time. And because God is a spirit, no likeness can be made of God. Uh, so try as you might, you can make him look like a frog. 
but he is a spirit. You can make him look like a Buddha, but he's God. He's a spirit, and you can't make any likeness of him. Now, of course, the great manifestation of God is Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. But even when we see Jesus, we do not see God's complete essence. Of Jesus, it is said, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see. He is seen, but as God, he is also invisible. Say, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know that I completely understand it either. But God is a spirit. And uh, Christ uh, was God in human flesh. Um, now, what is meant by the anthropomorphism? Well, what, are, what is meant by some of the expressions used of God? Okay, I'm gonna, I, I can't say that word. Uh, for example, God is said to have hands. God is said to have feet and arms and eyes and ears. He sees, he feels, he hears, he walks. Such expressions are to be understood only in the sense of being human expressions used in order to bring the infinite within the comprehension of the finite. How otherwise could we understand God except by means of human expressions and figures that we all can understand? Uh, that's one commentator's take on it, and I agree with that. All right, so God is a spirit, but then next, let's look at here at God is eternal. God is eternal. He has always existed, and He always will exist. And He has no beginning and no end. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. What a great verse. Psalm 93, verse 2, Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. And Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even he, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, he is eternal. His eternality is evident in the name, I am that I am. He, God, is the ultimate reality. You say, no, no, no. My job, my family, my home, that's, my, that's the ultimate reality. I'm not saying it's not real, but God is the ultimate reality. He has always existed. He existed before and apart from his creation. He is the source of all life, which means that he is life and that he himself has no source. All things are of him, through him, and to him. Every statement in the Bible about eternal things is a statement of God's eternality. For example, in Revelation 22, verse 5, when it says this about heaven, there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Such a statement can only be made by a God who sees eternity. God, nothing will ever happen that God does not already know. See, God is... The beginning and the end, and by the way, he's not, he, he's not bound by time like you and I are. So he already knows what the future is for all of us. 
he already knows what's going to happen tomorrow, four million years from now. And he's already there because he's eternal. And uh, he, he, we, don't, we can't grasp that because we only see this timetable that, that we're in. And uh, we are just moving along at the same uh, time frame. Uh, but, but God does, is not bound by that. He sees all of it from beginning to end. He's there. God is eternal. All right, next, God is omniscient. God is omniscient, and we're going to go into these omni uh, attributes of God here. The first one here is omniscient. This means, uh, who, who knows what omniscient means? All-knowing, okay. There was others that I didn't point to who said it, but, uh, but yes, I'm going to give Stephanie credit because she waited for me to call on her. <laughs> She's a good student. Everybody else... Just kidding. I'm just teasing. Yes, he is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. And he knows all. God's understanding is infinite. We already said that. There's no searching of his understanding. His judgments are unsearchable, and his ways past finding out. He knoweth all things. 1 John 3.20. Let's turn over there real quick. I want you to see this verse. 1 John 3.20. First John 3.20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. That's a great truth right there. But at the end of that verse, it says, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. He knows all. He is called the only wise God. And he alone is wise. He is the source of all wisdom. Uh, in God are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, according to Colossians chapter 2. We're not there yet in our uh, Sunday night series, but we'll be there soon. God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, like I said before, he, he already knows what eternity is going to be like, which is why he gave us his word and gives us details about what how the end of the world is going to happen, how the end of... Uh, civilization is going to happen, and he, he's already there. He already sees it. He knows all his works from the beginning of the world. God knows all of man's ways and the fruit of his ways. God knows the th- thoughts of every man's heart and every word that he speaks. You know, some of us are like, there, there might be some in here who are a little paranoid about, you know, Big Brother listening and watching, you know, and don't want to have, you know, put a little thing over the camera here and um, don't want, you know, people at Apple sitting at a computer watching what we're doing. And uh, some, you know, kind of want to get away, you know, and... We don't want any of the Alexa or the Google home devices or the Echoes or anything like that in there because we don't want, you know, everybody knowing what's going on. Well, <laughs> let me just let you know, let you in on a little secret, okay? Now, I, I know you don't, it's okay to, to not want Amazon 
or Apple or Google to know what's going on in your life, but there is someone who knows in every minute detail of what's going on in our lives, and that is the Lord, okay? Um, so you can still be creeped out about Amazon and all that. That's fine. But, but don't be surprised that God knows, and, and you can try to hide whatever. You can try to put these you know, devices that block any type of... Go ahead and do all that, but God is able to see right through all of that. Um, he, he, he sees all things. He knows all possibilities. God sees everything as a gigantic chessboard, so to speak, and he knows the potential of every possible event. Wow. So he knows what would happen if you decided not to come to church tonight and how that would have gone. Um, He knows what would have happened in your life if you didn't trust Christ as your Savior and what kind of monster of iniquity you would be and I would be right now. Um, I don't even want to think about that. (laughs) But, uh, But God knows what would have happened. He knows all things. It's amazing. And uh, if you can refrain from any type of jokes on this one, God knows the numbers of hairs on man's head. Okay. Now, scientists say that the average number of hairs on the head of a young adult is 100,000. But it varies greatly, with blondes averaging 140,000 and redheads 90,000. And the human head is is a dynamic environment with a hundred or so hairs falling out daily. Um, again, no comments on that one. So, some hair follicles producing and others resting after producing for two to six years. So to know the number of hairs on every person's head requires infinite knowledge because it's constantly changing. Just even that one little piece of us. It's amazing. God knows also the number of and the names of each of the stars. Using the Hubble telescope and the European Space Agency's infrared space observatory and other high-tech equipment, astronomers have estimated that there are 400 billion, I'm not going to even say stars, galaxies. Okay? Assuming there are 100 billion stars in each, which is the estimated number in our own galaxy, the Milky Way, 100 billion stars in our galaxy. That would be 40 billion trillion stars uh, in the universe. But this is only a vague estimate, as man, even with his vaunted modern science, cannot begin to count the individual stars of the universe. And as the uh, European Space Agency website says, no one would try to count the stars individually. Instead, we measure integrated quantities like the number and luminosity luminosity of galaxies. No one would try to count the stars that is except for God. (laughs) Because he knows them all and knows them all by name. And I know you can pay some website to, you know, name a star after your loved one, you know. Um... But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that God knows what each of their names are before that website ever came to be. 
and he knows what's going on and how long they're going to last because I do know astronomy, you know, stars last for a certain amount of time and then um, all of that. God knows it all. And uh, there's more we can say on that, but uh, we'll move on to the next one. God is omniscient. Next, God is omnipotent. Okay? Who wants to raise their hand and say what omnipotent means? Okay, Miss Kara. It is all powerful. Good work. She's like, I'm nervous. I'm in class here and I don't know if I'm right. You are right. God is omnipotent, He has all power. Um, Genesis 17 1 says this And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Jeremiah 10.10, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide His indignation. He's powerful. Um, Psalm 29 and verse number 10, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth King forever. Acts 4.28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Um, Romans 13.1, there is no power but of God. Uh, God is called Almighty 50 time, 57 times in Scripture, beginning with God's revelation to Abraham. And Almighty appears nine times in the New Testament. And uh, it is translated omnipotent in Revelation 19, verse number 6. Now, God's omnipotence is seen in that He can do anything. I love this verse in Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is... Anybody know the rest of that? Nothing too hard for Thee. Jeremiah 32, 17 says that. Hey, you created the heaven and the earth, but with your great power and stretched that arm, and there's nothing too hard for thee. And again, just as a practical application for all of us tonight, you say, well, yeah, but he doesn't know what I'm going through. That's too hard for him. No, it's not. He can handle it. He is able to carry us through. God's omnipotent is seen in that He can do anything. God is, His omnipotent is seen that He created the universe from nothing by His spoken word. And we've already alluded to that. God's omnipotent is seen that He rules over all things and controls all things according to His will and purpose. He is sovereign over all. Psalm 115.3, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. God's omnipotence means that God is king and head over all, reigns over all, is king of kings and lord of lords. He is omnipotent. God's omnipotence is also seen that he knows infallibly what each saint can handle and he controls life's experiences with this in mind. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is the verse here. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way 
to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so he, his power is seen that he knows what you and I can deal with. And he always gives us a way of escape. So God is omnipotent. Now, we'll end with this one. God is omnipresent. How are we doing on time? Yeah, we're, let's, let's end with this one. God is omnipresent. Who knows what omnipresent means? Yes, ma'am. He's everywhere all at the same time. Because he's infinite, you know, if, if he was finite, he couldn't be everywhere. But since he is infinite, he can indeed be everywhere. And the scriptures does teach this. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 24, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Psalm 139, um, the psalmist said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from, thy, flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. By the omnipresence, when, uh, one commentator said this, By the omnipresence of God is meant that God is everywhere present. God is everywhere and he's present there. God is everywhere and in every place. He is, his center is everywhere. His cir circumference, nowhere. So God transcends all barriers, space, and materials. The, terms, the term, the eyes of the Lord, describes God's omnipresent. God knows everything that is happening in every place at all times. 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Proverbs 5.21, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He pondereth all His goings. Proverbs 15.3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Now, the omnipresence of God should be a great comfort to the believer for those of us who are saved. After considering God's omnipresence in Psalm 139, the psalmist explained, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in, more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. The omnipresence, though, should be a great fear to the unbeliever. There is nowhere the sinner can hide from God, and no way that he can escape God's judgment. And so we see that God is everywhere all at the same time. Um, and there's, again, a little more we can say about that, but uh, let's go ahead and stop there. And uh, let's, let's thank the Lord for who He is in these attributes, and then we'll take a time to look at some prayer requests uh, tonight. Lord, we uh, come before You in awe of who You are. Uh, Lord, You are so far above what we are. We are so finite, we are so weak, and yet, Lord, when we talk about and, and look at what your word says about your, your power, and the fact that it is infinite, Lord, help us to, as a result of that, trust you with what goes on in our life, knowing that nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, we thank you that you know all things. And Lord, it just is an amazing thought to, to consider that you know what our lives would be like without you. 
We don't really want to know what that's like, but Lord, you, you know all things. And help us to remember that you are the source of all wisdom. Lord, you're everywhere all at the same time. Help us to be comforted by that and even convicted of that when we are tempted to sin. That you're beholding the evil and the good. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you are eternal. And that, Lord, you have no beginning, you have no end. And God, as we face this life and the world in which we live, help us, Lord, to have right thoughts about you so that we can have the correct perspective as we face the challenges that this life presents. Lord, I I pray that you would help us to um, think about you and think rightly about you in every situation as we're looking at family trials and difficulties, as we're looking at the future of our country, as we're looking at um, decisions even here in the church. Help us, Lord, to have a right understanding of who you are. And may that help us to have the right perspective and lead us to the right decisions. And uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you'd be with uh, the prayer requests that we're going to mention tonight and uh, be with the prayer time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for taking some